Good morning, River West Church family. I am so thankful to be with you this morning in your homes, with your families, perhaps with friends that have gathered, perhaps neighbors who have come over. It's so good to be with you. Even though it's through this medium of video, I actually find myself this morning thankful for technology, that we can leverage technology in these unprecedented times so that although we're not able to be together physically, yet we can be together spiritually this morning, which is what the church ultimately is. The church is not a location. The church is a spiritual family. And I'm so thankful we can be together as a family to worship the Lord, to experience the glory of God, to experience the truth of his word, and hopefully to be encouraged by the hope of the gospel, which is what I hope to do this morning together over the next 20 minutes or so. On Wednesday evening, when the news broke that our, our governor had requested the suspension of all gatherings of 250 or more people, I'll be honest with you that my heart dropped because I realized that we would most likely not be together for several Sundays. There's just no substitute for being in the room together, greeting one another, shaking hands, hugging one another. I think about how when I'm traveling and I call home to my wife or I use FaceTime, I have that pseudo connection with her, but it's not a substitute for that moment when I walk through my living room door and she greets me and wraps her arms around me. And so I look forward to the day, church, when we can be together again. And I've been praying that perhaps this time where, where we're apart for a while, it will actually raise our appreciation for what we experience each and every Sunday together when we gather. But also on that Wednesday evening, as I went to bed, I felt the Lord laying on my heart a message for our church family in these days. And that's that message I want to share with you this morning. It's a prayer. It's one of my favorite prayers from the scriptures. It's over the years in my Christian faith, it's been one of the most personally meaningful prayers. It's a prayer actually that I used on that Wednesday evening with about 100 River Westers who had gathered for a night of prayer and worship. We used this prayer from Psalm 34 as a guide for our time together. And I want to invite you to turn there now. So if you have a Bible, will you pull it out and open to Psalm 34? If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand and there's a River West usher at your front door. No, there's not. Pull out your Bible. You can even hit the pause button and pull out your Bible and open to Psalm 34 with me today. I turn to Psalm 34 when I need a vision of God that's bigger than the circumstances around me. And that means that I turn to Psalm 34 constantly, more than any other psalm in the Bible, because I constantly find that the circumstances in my life are overwhelming, and especially in the last few weeks, especially in the last couple of days. It's been a crazy time that we're in, hasn't it? 
So much uncertainty, so much fear, so much panic. Every time I open my news feed, there's another alert, another closure, another cancellation, another scary update. I've found myself feeling so many emotions, so much confusion. I haven't known how to process what's happening in our world with the coronavirus. I'll be honest with you, church, I've never done this before. I've never been through a global pandemic, and there's no playbook. There's no manual. So where can people of faith turn for some hope? What do we need? See, I would argue that what we need is a vision of God that's bigger than our circumstances. We need a vision of God's majesty. We need a vision of God's sovereignty. We need a vision of the saving power of God. And that's exactly what Psalm 34 gives us. And not only that, what I love about Psalm 34 is that it gives me deeply meaningful language that I can use to cry out to this God. And so I want to invite you to enjoy it with me this morning Will you read along with me? We'll be focusing on just the first 10 verses of Psalm 34. Here's what David said. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Isn't that beautiful? You know, a couple of years ago, when the Lord was carrying me through a really difficult time in my life, I found myself turning to Psalm 34. I had read the Psalm many times, but in this season of my life where I was experiencing some pain and some fear, suddenly this Psalm took on new life. It was as if David had crawled inside of my skin, inside of my heart, inside of my mind, And he began to express things that I was feeling with words that I could have never thought of on my own. And so this psalm became very meaningful for me. And I imagined David, the posture that he was in when he first prayed this psalm. And I guarantee you, friends, David was on his knees with his arms stretched out, gazing up into the heavens, a vision of God for David, God was the only source of salvation. For David, God was totally sovereign. For David in that moment, God was powerful and majestic and yet so personal. And friends, isn't that what we need? That kind of a vision of God? And then, in God's sovereignty, 
what we get is we get this prayer recorded for us that we can use in our own prayer lives, which is exactly what I'm going to encourage you to do this morning, to take David's words in Psalm 34 and make them your own prayer in this time. And so what I'd like to show you this morning, if you look back at your Bible, this psalm, the first 10 verses, divide naturally into three groupings or three stanzas. You can see them there in your Bible. Verses 1 through 3 is a stanza. Verses 4 through 7 is a stanza. And verses 8 through 10. And what I'd love to do is give you a heading for each of those paragraphs that you could use in your prayer life throughout this week. Stanza 1, verses 1 through 3, here's the heading, very simple, thank God. Verses 4 through 7, that second stanza, here's the heading, very simple, trust God. And then finally, verses 8 through 10, the third stanza, here's the heading, taste God. So we have thank God, This is the prayer of gratitude and praise for all that God has done in our lives. And then we have trust God. This is the humble prayer of confidence that God will show up in our time of need. And then finally, taste God. I know that sounds strange, but I'll argue this morning that that is the most rich part of the prayer because it's that part of the prayer where you express your joy and your satisfaction in a personal relationship with God. So we have thank God, trust God, and taste God. And what I'm going to do at the end of our time together is I'm actually going to set you loose to pray through this prayer. You can invite friends or neighbors or perhaps you're there with your community group and you can open your Bibles, walk through Psalm 34, walk through these three headings and make this your own personal prayer. And so we'll take some time together this morning just to unpack each of these headings a little bit. We begin first with thank God, verses 1 through 3. There are amazing words of thanksgiving in this psalm. Will you look at them with me in your Bible? Notice David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Blessing God. He says in verse 2, my soul makes its boast in the Lord. David was boasting in God. He says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. David is blessing God. He's boasting in God. He's magnifying God. He's exalting God. David was the kind of believer who would stop what he was doing on a regular basis, and he would take the time to simply thank God. No matter the circumstances of his life, David would hit the pause button. I call it the praise pause. He would just hit pause, and he would stop to look up And say, God, thank you for what you're doing in my life. And brothers and sisters, there's a really important principle in this that I want to lay out for you. It goes like this. When you pause to give thanks, it allows you to connect the dots between what you've been praying for and God's activity in your life. Let me say that again. This is so important. When you pause in your life, no matter what you're doing throughout your day, every time you pause to give thanks, it allows you to connect the dots between how you've been praying 
and the ways that God has actually shown up to answer those prayers. Because I don't know about you, but I blow past answered prayer all the time in my life. I'm racing through life. Even when God is showing up in mighty ways, I will blow past answered prayer. I won't even stop to say thank you, God, for what you've done. It reminds me of the story in the Gospels. It's actually a story in the Gospel of Luke that we'll come to, God willing, just after Easter in Luke 17, where Jesus heals 10 men with leprosy. Perhaps you remember this story. It's very strange. He heals 10 lepers and Of those 10, nine of them blow past the moment. They don't even think about the healing that's happened in their lives, except for one, a Samaritan, who circles back to express gratitude to Jesus for answered prayer. Sometimes you just need the space in your life to reflect. And Psalm 34 gives us that space, this Prayer, my friends, is such a gift. It allows you to slow down, to hit pause, to think about what you've been praying for, and then it gives you language that you can use to look up and say, God, thank you. Did you notice David said in verse 1, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I think David is saying here, you got to get all of that gratitude. You have to get it out of your heart, out of your head, and you actually have to get it into your mouth. You're never going to fully experience gratitude until it leaves your heart, leaves your head, and gets into your mouth, and you express it to God. Have you ever been grateful for someone in your life? You've thought, I'm I'm so thankful for that person. And you've thought, you know what? I'm going to send them a note. I'm going to send them an email. And then you blow past the moment. You don't don't send them. You don't send them anything. You've, You've thought about gratitude, but you never took the time to take that gratitude out of your heart, out of your head, and express it to someone in a meaningful way. I I read a study a couple years ago where where scientists learned that the average person hears 11 negative or critical things for every one positive or encouraging thing. And what if in the church we were to change that ratio simply by expressing gratitude? Not only would it be a blessing for the people around us, but the reality is the true blessing is for you and I when we actually give expression to our gratitude, especially, friends, in our relationship with the Lord. And so, River West Church, can we be the kind of people who slow down, connect the dots? Let's be the kind of people who are committed to pausing regularly and saying, thank you, God, magnifying God, boasting in God. The people in your life, your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, they need to see that part of your Christian faith. So critical. So that's heading number one. Thank God. Heading number two, equally as important, trust God. That's verses four through seven. Will you look at it with me? Some amazing, amazing words of trust in this passage. I would argue we get one of the best definitions of what it looks like to trust God in all of the scriptures. Look at the words. David says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. Do you know what, River West? That's probably the sentence I've prayed the most in my Christian life. That, those words right there. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. 
But David goes on. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. I love that verse. How powerful. David goes from fear to radiance in one verse. And can I tell you something, friends? I think that's what God wants to do right now. Even in this time where so many people are afraid, perhaps you have struggled with some fear. Can I make you a promise? God wants to take you from fear to radiance this morning. How will it happen? By fixing your gaze on the glory of God. David says, those who look to him are radiant. He goes on. He says, this poor man cried. He he goes further on. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. So we have, we have the word sought or seeking God. We have looking to God. We have crying to God. We have fearing God. And what I love about this is I feel like we're getting inside of the, of the head and the heart of David, how David would pray anytime he was in trouble. And if you know anything about David's life, David was in trouble a lot. He was constantly in trouble. And you know what he would do? Every time he found himself in tough circumstances, David would stop and he would pray. He would pause. He would intentionally put his faith in God. And my friends, there's another really important principle hiding under this. Please, will you think about this with me? When you pause to trust God, it allows you to transfer your confidence off of earthly resources and fully onto the Lord. Can I say that again? When you pause to trust God, it allows you to transfer your confidence off of earthly things, earthly resources, the kinds of things that we normally trust in, and we can transfer our trust from those things fully onto the Lord. Oh, how we need to be reminded of that. You know, if there was anyone in history who could trust in earthly resources, it was King David. He was incredibly powerful. He, was, he, had, he had an incredible reputation. He had military prowess. He had power. David, of all people, could trust his resources. And yet here he is saying, I'm not going to put trust in those things. I'm going to intentionally put trust in my God, in my King. I'll be honest, friends. There have been days where I'll look back on an entire day and I'll realize, I'll be startled to realize that I've lived an entire day not trusting God at all, but trusting in myself, trusting in my resources, trusting in my creativity, trusting in, in my wisdom or what I think is my wisdom. And I'll, I'll come to this startling realization, oh my goodness, Lord, I lived an entire day not trusting you. Amazing. And that's why Psalm 34 can be so helpful. These verses give you language. They give you a way to hit the pause so here's something practical. What if you tried this today? What if you made a list of all of the things in your life that you feel overwhelmed by? What are the things that are causing you worry? What are the things in your life that are causing you concern? Just write them down. Maybe it's your to-do list, but write out those things. And then write out what are the things, the earthly things that you normally depend on? And what if you just wrote those out? And then what if you opened your Bible and you opened to Psalm 34 and you took time 
just to pray. Lay out that list of concerns. Lay out those things that you normally trust in. And then open your Bible to Psalm 34 and just pray and say, God, I'm going to actively transfer my trust onto you. Because, God, you're faithful. And, and you've, I've learned from experience that you're trustworthy. So we've got thank God. We've got trust God. But now let's finish. Let's, let's look at this final heading. It's an interesting one, I know. Taste God. But what I want to convince you of, this is just so beautiful. Let me read for you again, verse 8. Just verse 8, and then we'll close. David says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. I love that verse. It's as if David is saying, oh, my friends, if only you would taste God for yourselves. David is saying, I've I've tasted God. I know how good God is. I've, I've experienced God personally, and I believe that if you would give God a try, you would be blown away by how good it is to know God, to be in a relationship with God. To taste is a metaphor, of course. It's a metaphor for experiencing something up close and personal. I think what David is saying here is he's saying that in the same way you can't taste anything from a distance, the reality is you simply cannot experience God from a distance. You can't experience God from a distance. You have to get up close and personal. There's no social distancing, all right, when it comes with God. The the Center for Disease Control, of course, has talked a lot about social distancing. We've heard about this, three to six feet, and, and people are trying to do this, and it's all good. But, my friends, there's no social distancing when it comes to a relationship with God. You have to get up close. If you're going to ever know God, if you're going to ever experience God, you need to move in close. You need to get up close and personal. David didn't know God the way a chemist knows the periodic table. David didn't know God the way an accountant knows tax law. David knew God the way a wife knows her husband. David knew God the way a husband knows his wife. David knew God the way friends know each other. David knew God the way a brother knows his brother or a sister knows his sister. That's how David knew God. Before I met Kathy Williams in person, Kathy who became my wife, Kathy McMurray, I knew about her. And if you would have asked me 25, 26 years ago, do you know Kathy Williams? I would have said, I know Kathy Williams. Yeah, she's that half Korean girl, really smart. I would have said she's really beautiful. I would have talked a lot about her beauty. I would have said, that's yeah, Kathy Williams. She's the one who's dating that guy, Andrew, and that's about to change. I've got a strategy for knocking him off. I would have said, I know Kathy, but now, 25 years later, 25 years of marriage, if you said to me, do you know Kathy? I would say, yeah, I know Kathy, very personally. And David is saying, That's the kind of relationship God wants to have with you. A relationship that's so close, so personal. It's like tasting God. So beautiful, friends. There's an element of the Christian faith here that I think is really important, and I fear that many of us are missing out on. It's that element 
that I want to call enjoyment. There's a joy that we're supposed to experience, my friends, in our relationship with God. Taste would be completely unnecessary if the only purpose of eating was for nourishment. But God, in his wisdom, he's added an an additional thing, enjoyment, flavor. And so it is with God. God invites you, taste and see. I guarantee you, God is so good. And so Psalm 34 can move you from thanking God to trusting God to tasting God. And what I want to encourage you to do today, my friends, is to take Psalm 34 and use it in your home. Right after you have finished watching this message, open your Bible and make this psalm your prayer. And so a couple things that I'll... I'll ask you to do as we close today. Pastor Colin has recorded a worship song that will happen right after I'm done sharing. And so we invite you to respond in in worship and praise. And then I'll have you open your Bibles back to Psalm 34 and use these categories. Trust God, thank God, trust God, taste God. Walk through that as a prayer with your family or with your friends. If you'd like to give during this time where we're not together, there are ways to give as an act of worship. If you go to our webpage, you can find some instructions for how to give remotely. There's also instructions in our happenings. And then finally, and and most importantly, I want to ask you, church, during this season where where we're not able to be together, there's an opportunity here that I I don't want us to miss. There's an opportunity for you in your own neighborhood to reach out to friends and people. You know, your neighbors right across the street, right next door, you might have some neighbors right now who are feeling really isolated, perhaps afraid. And so would you consider, under God's leadership, reaching out to friends and neighbors over these next few few Sundays. We'll be online every Sunday morning. You could create a church right there in your living room, and I hope you'll consider that. So let me pray for you now. Heavenly Father, we want to pray that your peace the peace of Jesus Christ, the peace that transcends all understanding, that we would have that peace as your church. We want to pray this morning, God, that your grace, the grace that is sufficient for us, no matter what the circumstances we're in, Father, would, would that grace sustain us? We pray this morning that your power the power of your Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. Father, would we have that power in our lives to give us strength? And finally, God, we pray that the hope of Christ, the hope of our eternal destination, our eternal future, may that hope guide us in these times so that we would be the light of Christ in our world. We pray these things together in Jesus' name. Amen.